0: Welcome to All Things Tibet, a podcast hosted by Taylor and Brittany. We'll be coming to you with brand new episodes every Tuesday. If you want to tweet along as you listen, feel free to use the hashtag AllThingsTibetPod. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This
1: is All Things Tibet episode 18. 18! I'm I'm Brittany. I'm Taylor. And we're here this week talking about season one of the original series, episode 11, Liberally. Yes. Now, this is, we've we've taken a turn into the dark side of season one, but we've been obviously putting off for some time. Yeah. And uh, how are we feeling about that, Taylor?
0: <laughs> it's funny because as you said that, my brain literally just went... Wow. The Dinah Shore episode, sure is some fucking whiplash in the middle of all this shit, isn't it? I don't know why I never processed that before. Yeah. Maybe because I've always been able to kind of space it all out and like take breaks or like just binge it all and like rip the band-aid off. Sure. But wow, that is some, it's like really depressing, really depressing that. really depressing, really depressing end of season one.
1: Well, yeah, and then you throw in, like, the the brief moment when they're protesting and trying to protect the artist as she's coming in, and they have this you know, Shane Alice, that moment where it's it's kind of lighthearted, and then the episode just switches. Yeah. So, this episode, we pick up on Bettentino when right after we found out that 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 tina has miscarried yes and tina is very you know depressed majority of the episode rightfully so she's just trying to pick up the pieces after finding out this horrible news and you know bet is doing her best to support her but it's clear she doesn't really know what to do she's she's trying to just be there for her but you know she still like goes to work
0: Bye. Hope you're doing okay. See ya. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, first of all, I have to give to both the writers and to Laurel the portrayal of grief that Tina goes through at the beginning, throughout the whole episode, but particularly at the beginning, I think is just so realistic to me. I mean, I've never lost a child, but I have Mm. gone through grief and sort of that cycle of like, just like having nothing, like at the beginning when she's sitting there just making eggs yeah. and for some reason that's, she just starts crying.
1: Yeah.
0: Like not even over the eggs, but just like, just for no reason, she's just making eggs and just starts crying. Like that to me is just so real when you're in that sort of cycle. And, you know, that being in it and being okay sometimes and not being okay other times. And I think I had a note about this later, you know, that moment when she says to Bet, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I think what I wrote was, I think part of the disconnect with Bet and Tina about this whole grieving process is that I think that the way that Bet handles her grief is that it's just go, 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 go. Oh yeah. And so I think that Bet, when she hears I'm going to be okay, she takes that as I'm now okay. Yeah. Whereas for Tina, I think what that means is I can now see the light at the end of the tunnel. I now know that I am going to come out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not there yet, but I know that I will be, mm-hmm. but she's still in it. And yeah. I don't think Bette realized that that's what she meant. And I think that's where the tension over sort of the next period of time comes in because Bet, I think in her head is like, but you told me you were okay. <laughs> and yeah. Tina in her head is like, no, I told you I was going to be okay. Yeah. So Yes basically my point being very I think realistic portrayal of grief and realistic portrayal of how people grieve differently and how important it is to communicate with the person you're grieving with yeah
1: absolutely I think that um we see the same kind of behavior with that this season as we do in season one of of Gen Q where she's going 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 she's keeping herself busy she's running for mayor. She's got this affair going on. She's really involved in what's going on with Angie with school. And then by the end of the season, we see her have this breakdown. The same with this. She's still very enthralled in what's going on with this whole, you know, back and forth with Faye Buckley and planning this debate and doing these things to keep herself busy. And then we see her, you know, inevitably fall apart at the end of the episode because you know, we'll talk more about that is Just got to be one of the worst characters in the whole series. But yep. one new thing that I caught this episode that I've never really paid close attention to is when Tina is having this conversation with Kit when she's kind of packing up the baby clothes and, and she's looking at her pregnancy journal. And I pause to read this entry that she put in that you can actually see um, when she's looking at the journal. And this was during week five of her pregnancy. And she wrote, I had several more tests and the doctor says everything is normal. I know I didn't want to do this sooner life-wise, but now I think, why didn't I do this at 20? But my life is more what I want and this baby to be a part of. Too many magazine articles to scare women about the dangers. Yuck. Hmm. Interesting. And then the next week six starts still excited and thrilled with my and then it cuts off. Interesting. And I think that that handwriting is actually Laurel's. Um, Yeah. It looks looks very similar to the, to what I've seen of Laurel's handwriting, which is uh, just a, just a unique little uh, thing I've never
0: noticed before. I love when shows do that.
1: Yeah. And so like, as this episode goes on and they're back in group therapy, is openly grieving she's sharing her feelings and then a number of them kind of say like "Bet, you know what's what's up like how are you doing and that's like ma- major statement is I don't need to cry which I yeah. you know is bullshit because she does at the end of the episode but that is that is classic Bet Porter right there that's like classic like wall is up yeah I'm good
0: yeah I'll be fine and when she says, believe me, it's sunk in. Mm-hmm. yeah, And Dan's like, no, 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 no. That's not what he asked. He asked, mm-hmm. have you cried yet? Yeah. <laughs> Which like, also it had not, it clearly has not sunk in. No. Which, you know, again, I think going back to sort of talking about that portrayal of grief, I think is something very real. That mm-hmm. there is that is a very real thing that as much as you think there is sort of a shock factor to it, that as much as you think you're like, yeah, well, obviously I know what happened. Yeah. But the sort of emotional processing that it takes, unless you are very in tune with your emotions, like Tina is. Sure. And even sometimes if you are it takes a lot of time for you to sort of fully work through the shock and actually, like, let yourself feel right. the full effect of what you've lost.
1: Right. And there's parallels between when Bet breaks down in the shower at the end of season one and telling Tina that they, you know, that we need to try again. I want to have another baby or I want to have a baby, yada, yada, yada. Versus season one of Gen Q when she's laying on the couch, and just you know devastated, and that really I can relate to this and that has a tendency to just kind of take on, take on, take on, take on, and then you hit a roadblock where you know you've come way too far Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that you can't like you just you can't hide it anymore. You're just a mess. Yeah, you know, and so it's. Again, we're seeing some of the same patterns of them when they were in their 30s versus them present day in their 50s. Yeah. So, yeah. And as we move move on, we see Bette is at her sister's show, at Kit's show, and Slim Daddy's there. And Slim Daddy just does just a great job of predicting this
0: affair that is on the way. Right? I d- I don't think well maybe I had and I just blocked it out because it made me so angry. I had never noticed that before. Yeah, and I was and this time I was watching and I was like you son
1: of a bitch. Yeah, we don't give slim daddy enough credit for having an having a part in the fair that happens. Um I
0: literally I literally wrote you had to put it in her head, didn't you?
1: Well, then she start she started looking at her and then know what I put yeah. was look your beautiful eyes away but do not even start do not even start but she did and it only gets worse from there yep we see her start to pull out that thread right like she's looking at her and then she's talking to her and then she invites her to the cac on her lunch break and then and then candace shows up at her lunch break on her lunch break then they have dinner together and just fucking spirals spirals from there
0: yep thanks slim daddy thanks so much
1: i mean it's that's the thing is like i I remain angry at bet still about this affair but like you can just you can just see it in her like how much she's battling in these episodes because she goes from this night out right to then tina's with her at the debate Mm-hmm. And the way that she's looking at Tina when they're walking, like, up to the, what is it, the set, the stage, whatever. Yeah. You can just see in her eyes that she loves Tina so much. Yeah. And the then the behavior is just not adding up
0: over these next no. episodes. It's like two different people. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. So I think the first time that I watched this series, I, I do remember thinking, like, what like (laughs) this is weird yeah how does this happen like we expect it from characters like shane right right she's the serial cheater right we expect the drama with jenny and marina we know there's always going to be some bullshit going on even alice to an extent yeah but tina and bet what yeah
0: so soon we're only 11 (laughs) episodes in yeah I mean, I wonder if, and this is literally just like, I have never thought this before. This is just a ponderance, but I wonder if there is sort of a need to be somebody else for a while.
1: Yeah. She kind of just dissociates and yeah, plays a different role. Yeah. yeah. It very well could be. I don't know. In the thrill of it and the drama of it, you know, because yeah. Bette Porter, especially young Bet Porter, really lived her life with a lot of drama in
0: it. Yeah. Always. And know? I mean, to the point that, like, even sexually, she's very different too yes. with Candace, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, so she just like, completely takes off who she is in that affair. Yeah. And so maybe that's why. Yeah. I don't know that she just needs to take all of that, all of that pressure from work, from everything that's going on at home, from losing the baby, from being who Bet Porter is mm-hmm. and just put that away. Sure. Which I mean, this is coming from me. This is clearly not excusing a goddamn thing, but just from like a a psychoanalyst a psychoanalysis perspective. Uh Uh-huh. I wonder if that is part of it.
1: Are you defending Bet Porter? Is this what I'm hearing? I don't know gosh people really can change can't they <laughs> god
0: i really we, i mean I must- we
1: really were just like raking butt under like just raking her right into the fire for so many episodes and now we're like well maybe we understand
0: god i turn 27 and look what happens seriously that's right taylor just had a birthday yes which thank you for all the birthday wishes by the way that made my heart really happy yeah that was very sweet it was um i felt very loved anyway back to the depression well
1: you know even even through Tina's grief she is still very laser focused on but even to the point that when she's doing this volunteer work with Oscar not Hector (laughs) so convinced his name was Hector I'm
0: so glad you said it because I was going to if you didn't
1: so Tina is still like wanting to help Beth, right? And she's saying, like Do you know anything about Faye Buckley? Because she's, they're with this agency and they uncover the drama, right? And they, un- yeah. they find the stories. And then Beth shows up and rather gets than, like, mad at her for yeah,
0: doing that,
1: rather than like being grateful that she's like offering her a helping hand, she gets really defensive. So the note yeah. I put the, no there was, Nice! Awesome! Yeah. Cool, Beth. Yeah, right. You're just right on brand. Never mind. I'm done feeling bad for you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Fuck you. But you know what I will say is that not in defense of bed. Going back on brand for me. Sure. I think it encapsulates everything that I love about Tina as a character. That she takes all of this pain that she's in. And all of this grief, and she channels it not only into helping other people, mm-hmm. but specifically into helping kids, into helping literally the source of what she's lost. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Like, th- that is just everything that I think. <clears throat> like, when people say that Tina's like boring or weak, that is so fucking strong. Yeah. To have just had a miscarriage and to get up after, I mean, what has it been? Maybe a couple of weeks at this point Mm -hmm. and say, you know what? I'm going to go do fucking charity work and work with children.
1: I mean, it it just, it does. It shows the various levels of grief because we know that so many people, when something horrific happens in their life, they often will take all that energy and they'll put it into something really good for the world, really yeah. good for the world. Yeah. Um, whether that's starting a foundation or starting a scholarship or volunteering or doing something, so much of it comes out of like these horrific times. It is admirable, and but as somebody that you know works closely with individuals and their well-being, uh, I, I. You get a bit hesitant and a bit weary when people do this, because I wonder how much are you focusing on your own healing?
0: Yeah, that yeah, that's fair.
1: You know, I had a boss who had lost her daughter when her daughter was 20 and she was just starting her own company and she just jumped into it. Like mm. just jumped into it. Wasn't sleeping, was just, didn't even, I don't even know that she took a week off of work. and as time went on you could see that it was just dragging her down more and more and that was always my concern was are you taking care of yourself yeah you know because yeah like I said it's when I so when I've gone through hard times and I remember specifically I had I was going through a really hard time years ago and I was having dinner with a friend and I said you know it's going to be okay. Like I had that mentality of like, it's going to be okay because like this all happened for a reason and there's a purpose and there's this. And she said to me, like, Brittany, you are allowed to grieve. Yeah. And, and, and ever since that season of my life, I realized that like, we don't have to always be in this mindset of like, well, what am I learning from this? Or what am I, you know, like we can just be in the suck and in, and just be in it. We have that
0: right to do it yeah sometimes it's okay to not be okay exactly yeah exactly yeah
1: another interesting thing I think we talked about it last episode I know that you I, most positive you and I have had this conversation so we've seen a lot of these like top like L word characters like they're the top 20 I think you can list have you seen these this on Twitter
0: yeah I, yes yeah
1: so I saw the most interesting one today okay I don't know who it was. I don't even think that I follow her, but it was Tina and Bette, obviously. Yeah. But number three was Jody.
0: What? Yes. Interesting. Tina Bett, and Jodi. Jody. Okay. I I have so many
1: questions. If you happen to be listening to this podcast, <laughs> and and that's you, please, I, I we need to bring you on. The, oh, the all things to bet pod, because I have a lot of questions for you. I don't know that I've ever seen Jody in anybody's top five, let alone number three after Tina and bet. That's fascinating
0: to me. Who are your top three? My top three.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm trying to think would bet be my second favorite. I don't know. Yours goes. Maybe <laughs> Angie. <laughs> no.
1: James. Tina. No, actually we'll do baby Andy, Tina, James, and then <laughs> Beth.
0: That's your top four. Maybe. I think Are my- we talking like just main characters here? Or like yeah. yeah. Well,
1: in this particular survey questionnaire thing you could do it was like everybody from Tina and Bet to like Molly and, and Phyllis. Jeez.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to fill this out now, aren't I? Yeah, you should. Okay, um, I'll do it. I'll put it on Twitter eventually because I feel like I'm gonna have to think about it.
1: I'm almost positive my top three. I mean, I know my top three is Tina and then Beth, and then I'm pretty sure number three is Dana. Yeah, Angie is not in the uh, is not in the questionnaire because it's the it's the original series
0: cast. Oh, okay, okay, that Apparently would be there's, the...
1: a, there's a Gen Q one roaming around there somewhere, but. I did get a lot of backlash from some folks because Shane was like number 11, nine, maybe. Yeah, I, think Jody, be... I think Jody might have been before Shane on my
0: list. Honestly, yeah, That I don't know. That would be, yeah. I might, yeah. I, I feel like my list would be kind of similar to yours. So yeah. sorry. Yeah. I mean, and then... That... <laughs> i did see a
1: couple of lists where Beth porter was not in somebody's top three top five i know that nat oh boy our little 16 year old nat in the fandom didn't have her up top at all so i told her that she can she needs to come back to me in nine years when her brain is fully developed
0: because bet porter is the star of the fucking show you can't i was more sighing not at nat i was more sighing because i was like oh boy what did the fandom do to poor nat
1: (laughs) no 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 nat holds her own she uh she would have no problem
0: um good. good
1: good she would have no problem wiping the floor with them no no doubt about it good That's the thing. And that's the props I give to this very you know, outspoken portion of the fandom, like ages 16 to 22. They just, they have no fucks left to give. And they will, they will die on the hills that they, that they stand for.
0: Yeah. But for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I feel like, I feel like they're, i feel like us in the middle we just got like so fucking broken by everything that like and i'm so glad that like they're not getting that so that they can like stand on the hills and fucking die on them because like that's what we need yeah and i'm so glad that they can do that (laughs) and that like it's no longer like the world is just like we are going to crush you under the weight of everything. So keep dying. I was going to say keep dying on those hills, but then I realized that that sounds really bad.
1: No, I, I, I appreciate them because they, you know, they have their convictions, but they, they they don't remind me of, like, they don't remind me of the teenagers that I once knew yeah they're not or I once was like they're not petty. yeah, they are educated, they're thoughtful. and yeah. like when they say something, they mean it. And yeah. I can really appreciate that because you know it takes it takes a lot of courage, especially at that age to stand for what you believe in. Yep. and especially if it's something different than other
0: people. Yeah. And they're educated and they're willing to be educated. Yes, yeah. Because I think that was the thing was when, like, a lot of, I think, like, when a lot of people, like, when I was a teenager, it was like, I am right and you are wrong and fuck you adults. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. I am totally right, even though I have been on the planet for, like, a third of the time you have. Exactly. Yeah. Which sometimes is true. You know, it's a balancing act. Like, it's the conviction but also being open to learning new things. Yep.
1: So yes, we we do very much appreciate them. They also make me laugh. So just post them what you're posting because you you got me, you got a fan and me. Yes. So you got a fan here from us. Yes. And I'm sorry if you're a Shane enthusiast, but you're not going to find that here. So (laughs) if you, you know... If that offends you, that's okay. I don't dislike her. She's just not my fave. I, that's exactly what I keep saying. I don't hate her. I think she's had a vital, she's a vital part of the storyline. I think she's got a vital part of, of Gen Q, but she, none of her storylines have ever really spoke to me. And that's just it. And also I really love Carmen. So I'm harboring a little bit of resentment for what she did to her.
0: Very fair.
1: So Yeah. So we have three more episodes of this season. Um, Are we just
0: not talking about the rest of the episode? We
1: talked about it. Do you want to talk more about the Faye Buckley stuff? Do you want to talk more about the debate? Go ahead. That's the last part we need to cover.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, first of all, I just wanted to say maybe this is edging a little bit too political, so I'm sorry, but it's our podcast, so... Fuck yeah. you i can do what i want yeah, um I apologize but i will say i actually was really and maybe this is just because you know what i'm just gonna say it oscar's speech really struck a chord with me mm-hmm. this time through because i think i have had a lot of very similar experiences lately Mm -hmm. of that kind of to quote Michelle Obama they go low we go high moments
1: yeah
0: and I I don't think you know I the last time I I saw this episode I don't think I had been through all of that and you know to hear him talk about being progressive and how these sort of people talk about you know, these conservative people or talk about, like, well, you're the morally bankrupt ones, when really, like, they're the ones with skeletons in their closet, but because we're trying to take the high road, we leave theirs alone when they pull ours off. Mm-hmm. That just kind of really struck a personal chord with me this time through.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think is a very real thing, I think, to a a lot of people right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I, like, I just, I I wrote out that entire speech just because I loved the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah, I just, for, I just, I encourage you all to go back and watch it just because it was actually a really good speech, and uh, I thought it was top tier. And then, yeah, I just, I mean, I think from a, tv industry person point of view i think it's interesting where they chose to end the episode Mm -hmm. because it is it's very sudden Mm -hmm. like they hit you with that emotional gut punch and then just cut to the credits
1: well you know another thing i picked up on that i never looked up before is that when tina and bet are talking before bet goes into the debate. And Bet saying, what's that quote? What's that quote? Never avert. The quote is I looked it up. To be an artist means never to avert one's eyes, which I think is a tremendous look of for like tremendous foreshadowing because we know that Bet averts her fucking eyes and her whole body. Yeah. <laughs> so that's true. that and Tina's little pregnancy entry in her journal are two things that I never like looked up or looked closer at. Yeah. So do with that what you will,
0: yeah, yeah, I just th- I just think it's I've been noticing a lot of the endings this time through, I sure. think, and appreciating the ways that the l word actually uses their endings very effectively mm-hmm. and just like Jennifer acting her ass off, oh yeah, and. And again, like you said, that moment when the dam finally breaks yeah. and, 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 and that's it. That's the end of the episode. And you as the audience just have to sit with that. Yeah. I think it's, it's brilliant because that's what grief feels like that sucker punch mm-hmm. from nowhere. Yeah. And so I, I think it was very well done on the show's part to just be like, okay, sit with that. Yep. So yeah, I mean, a devastating episode, but a very well done episode. And I think a very necessary episode for sort of, I mean, you and I talked before about like how vital talking about miscarriage is. hmm and I mean, especially if you think about, they mentioned in this episode, you know, when the, the lawyer said, like, the board is with you, but the political climate is not. Like, to remember that this show came out during the Bush administration. So, you know, talking about any of this during the Bush administration was particularly important. I mean, it's uh,
1: just it—it it, it really is wild to think about the era that the show was filmed and came out because it was filmed like one year post nine eleven, and aired yeah. all through all through the remaining uh, term of of Bush's presidency and like the beginning of Obama's. Yeah, I mean, and we've since finished Obama's term, had another president started Biden's presidency i mean like looking at the like how much time has gone by since this era
0: yeah wild man
1: yep cool well we have not great things to look forward to coming up um yeah we will be recording the next episode just us and then we're we're planning to have the guests on our last two episodes and uh yeah you're still listening after 18 episodes. God bless you. Thanks for being here with us.
0: Seriously. If
1: you're a non-believer. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, really.
1: So, any any uh, wise words to leave us on? Because you always um, say I end the episodes too abruptly, so. What? No. Yeah, you say I just, like, cut them off. So, what, what is it you want to leave us with?
0: So, I never. I've said that, like, twice, Brittany. How about this?
1: How about this? How about you read... Oscar speech. That's how we'll end the episode.
0: Okay. Because wow. that was
1: so profound to you. Wow, no pressure.
0: Um, okay, so... It was it, it was really okay so I wrote it down and the the speech was I'm sorry I got very <laughs> my ADHD just kicked in because I wrote you teller Oscar in all caps uh, right above the speech because he chewed bet out for like being a bitch to Tina yes. anyway um, that was not the speech that I wrote down <laughs> the speech that I wrote down was we're progressives We're accused of being morally bankrupt, but they have so many fucking skeletons in their closets and we don't touch them. We take the high road, we wind up in the ditch. We leave our dirty laundry hanging out all over the place because we're not so ashamed of it. They grab it and they wave it around. They make us look like perverts. It's not a long speech, but it's fucking real.
1: So well, this has been All Things Tibet Podcast episode 18.
0: I'm Brittany. I'm Taylor.
1: And we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of All Things Tibet Podcast, hosted by myself, Brittany, and my other co-host, Taylor. You can find our main podcast page on anchor.fm slash all things bet. You can find us on social media including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And the rest of the summer will include more interviews with other Tibet slash award creators. We will be interviewing some OG and some newer Gen Q fans, and we'll continue through our review of season one of the original series. Thank you to all those who continue to listen, who have supported us, and make this podcast what it is. We love you all, and we'll see you next week.